What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. My passion is the fight for freedom. My father fought for World War II defending our country. Today, we are no longer fighting with guns. Instead, we are fighting an ideological battle for control of our country. By contributing to causes that support your constitutional rights, I am Patriot Mobile. That was a shooting gallery up there. I could hear the tremble in his voice. She suffered a fairly severe beating. The, the video is, is pretty graphic. Justice for us seems almost impossible. It's not fun to watch somebody die, and they knew she was in mortal peril. They have not asked the hard questions. Why was the Capitol intentionally unsecure that day? The FBI had information about security concerns before January 6th. They're out for blood, and they're getting it. They appear to be winning. Were the actions of the Capitol Police out of line? Were there violations and use of force? Now I describe it as an inside job. I'm ready to do whatever God calls me. There's an old Chinese saying my ancestors learned before the Communist Party took over our country. The family is the essential unit of human society and that you must have honor and defend your family. But it's not always easy to do. When the regime gives the order, you have to kill. My heart was pounding. I felt my body bouncing and twisting on the floor. They put numbers on our shoulders, then separated us into rows of even and odd numbers. I was number nine. My brother, he is still in prison. And my sister, she was sent to a labor camp without a trial. But there's one piece of evidence they haven't been able to destroy yet. everything behind. If I can't expose what they did to us, then all of our suffering would be for nothing. Welcome to Chosen Generation with your host, Pastor Greg Young. 
But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should shew forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And now, Chosen Generation, where no topic is off limits and everything is filtered through biblical glasses. And now, here's your host, Pastor Greg. And welcome to the program. Great to have you with me. Hang on, let me let me push the right button here. Here we go. All right. Hey, <laughs> welcome aboard. Great to have you with me. Thanks for being here. Uh, I have a great program lined up for you today, and uh, we're, we're I'm gonna uh, just take a moment here in just a second to 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 talk to you a little bit about the. Uh, uh, the, the celebration that was this weekend as well. Uh, but first of all, let me let you know that uh, coming up at the bottom of hour number two, uh, we'll be joined by Damon Grayson, author of When His Ways Meet Yours, When, your Lo- when You Love You, He Will Follow Suit, uh, and uh, Addressing uh, Black Fatherhood. And we'll talk with him about that and his journey out of Compton. Uh, we'll also be talking with Professor Stephen Zunes from the Department of Politics at the University of San Francisco uh, about uh, the Men- Menendez indictment and uh, and and Egypt. So uh, that should be an interesting conversation. And uh, then Chris Eddy, Eddy for Congress, he's running for a congressional seat in uh, in Florida. And in the 25th District, Broward County. So we'll talk with uh, Chris Eddy coming up as well. But joining me now to uh, start things off, and I'm so pleased to have him with me, my good friend, Dr. David Wormser. Dr. Wormser, welcome. Good to have you. It's always great to be with you, Pastor. And I thought I'd just take a minute. Um, many of you may not uh, know, and if you're if you're whether you're Jewish or whether you're a Christian, you really should know. Obviously, if you're Jewish, you probably do know this. If you're Christian, you may or may not know this. Um, and as far as prophetic timetables are concerned, Christians look at what uh, what our what the Savior did, and and the idea that he fulfilled two of the four seasons. But there's two more seasons to come uh, that that we believe he hasn't fulfilled either, and one of those is is Sukkot, and Sukkot uh, commonly goes by the name of the season of our joy, for joy predominates this holiday more than any other. Jewish people around the world construct Sukkot, uh, a singular Sukkah, frail huts or booths that remind us of God's provision and our dependence on Him. Sukkot is a memorial to remind us of the building of booths during our ancestors' wanderings in the wilderness. The Feast of Tabernacles was an annual reminder to the people that God is the great shepherd who has chosen to tabernacle among us to protect and to bless them wherever they wandered. Did I get that? Did I get that pretty accurately, David? Very accurately. And it is also one of the three pilgrimage holidays. So and, it is one and, of the three main ones. And 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 
we also look at on, on a New Testament from uh, we look at Revelation and the and the thousand years as as also being associated with this that when Messiah returns he'll usher in that thousand years and that also uh, is is a part of him tabernacling with us for for a thousand year reign so there's a there's a prophetic uh, you know a a to come if you will relative to that that's uh, that's pretty exciting yeah absolutely it's 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 a great holiday this whole season which falls in september october uh on the jewish calendar uh is is a you have one holiday after another but they are the really important holidays other than passover there is no holiday that that outranks any of those holidays and even passover is is uh, uh you know only on par in some ways yeah rosh hashanah and 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 the 10 days of awe and and then the day of atonement which the 10 days of awe is the time to reflect on 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 your own life to look to to, to be introspective about uh uh and 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 to seek atonement and then ultimately the day of atonement where wherein we say we remember and for those who again uh, you know who who may believe that in in Christ who do believe in Jesus having already come it's it's a reminder of that that he's come that that there has been an atonement that has been made so whether you are of a Jewish faith and 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 you know how that God is the one who forgives you of your sins we know the same thing and and it's a matter of atonement yep and then, uh, and then at the end of that, you have Shemini Atzeret, which is uh, literally means the eight, 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 eight stop, um, which is the end. Now, in uh, in Israel, uh, a lot of these holidays like Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot are celebrated outside of Israel for one for two days, and inside of Israel for one day. Sukkot is actually celebrated for eight days. You sit in the Sukkot for eight days, but the first day, the last day, are, are holidays, which in the Jewish calendar means all the laws of Sabbath apply. No lights, no driving, no work, et cetera, et cetera. You're shut down uh, to, to reflect and rest. Uh, the other days are, are normal work days, but, uh, but they're still considered holy. And there's one more coming up this next weekend, right? That's Shemini Atzeret. That's yeah, the that's end the of end. Sukkot. Okay. It goes straight into Shemini Atzeret, which is sort of the end of the cycle. Mm-hmm. So, and these these are what we know were celebrated many many years yeah. ago, uh, yeah. not just uh, two thousand years ago. But we know these are these are original holidays. Passover, obviously wasn't celebrated before Egypt. <laughs> so Right. Well they were handed down by the by the Levitical priesthood, right? Where isn't was that it was, but they were probably much older than that. Okay. Um okay. they were much older than that. We see even uh in the time of uh before Abraham there's signs that some of these were already there. Uh whereas you know one thinks of Hanukkah as a critical holiday, but Hanukkah is actually a national holiday that was really only started about two, three hundred BC only. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> I mean, these are ancient, ancient things, yeah. but they reflect, they, they are related to the Greek. Uh, Hanukkah is related to the Greek, uh, the, the war against the Greeks that the Jews waged. 
the Maccabees. Mm-hmm. So it's much more recent. But those are those are those are really original. Those high holidays are really original to to. Well, and there's at. and there's been a lot of evidence that would that would seem to suggest that that uh, that the birth of of uh, you know, of Messiah actually happened in, in probably in September or October, right, right around now, actually, uh, late September, early October. Uh, there's a, a, a program that NASA now has, cause when they, when they launch a spaceship, they have to be able to project where things are going to be in orbits when they put a satellite up and so on. So they actually have a program now that can that can uh, basically you know follow and chart paths of planets and so on uh, to pretty much let them know where they can tuck a satellite in that's not going to get smashed. Um, and as a result of being able to do that, they also then can go backwards. And I was actually at a presentation, I don't know, seven or eight years ago with a gentleman who, who was a part of actually creating that program for NASA. And wow. and he showed us going backwards the star that the Magi followed, and and when it actually was in the sky, and it was actually in the sky somewhere around wow. September October. I forget it, but it was about you know roughly two thousand years ago, uh, or or thereabouts. Crazy. But yeah, but he was able to actually you know he showed us this is how going backwards how we track. And here's where it shows up. And what was even more amazing, and I know we weren't planning on getting into this, but what was even more amazing was, was, um, was the, was the, you know, we refer to them as the zodiac signs, but, but he gave actually an actual understanding of what some of those were, um, in ancient times from a, from a biblical perspective. I don't remember all of it, but it was, it was just, amazing it was like god wrote out creation in you know and he says that he says that he revealed creation in the sky well this gentleman was able to show us by constellations how god literally did that honey i mean no it's amazing the look the ancients watched they saw signs yeah and they watched yeah. We nowadays, I mean, we can't even see the stars mostly in our cities, <laughs> but, but they, they watch, they watch yeah. I, the, 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 and, and they watched both the moon and the sun. I mean, the Judaism is based on, I mean, it's ultimately based on the solar calendar because seasons, and as you see, the, the high holidays follow seasons and it's, right. it's an accurate calendar on, on it for, it follows the lunar calendar, but it's an adjusted lunar calendar to the sun. So it's actually a dual calendar, but but uh, so you'll see every four over four years, Jewish holidays drift forward because the lunar calendar is shorter than the sunner. But then every fourth year, there's an adjustment month hmm. that is adjusted to the solar calendar. Okay. So all of a sudden, that snaps back. So so the lunar calendar is adjusted now to the solar calendar. Interesting. So it stretches and then and then pulls back. Interesting. Back every four yeah. years, there's a leap month. Got it. In Judaism, uh, so uh, one month is just uh, uh, month one and month two, same month, uh, okay. but one and two. So 
it is a lunar calendar because that's what the ancients also followed the moon because if you're following flooding and tides and all that sort of stuff that the lunar calendar becomes critically important but on the other hand it's the solar calendar that determines seasons and years i mean that's the foundation so now the uh, muslims they undid the adjustment so their calendar drifts they're Uh, on a lunar calendar and their calendar drifts so ramadan can fall any time of year. It depends on which year you're in. So oh. it drifts about three quarters of a month or, or, or about a quarter a month to half a month every year. Interesting. Sometimes Ramadan is in yeah. our July. Sometimes it's in our December. So theirs is not a seasonally solar adjusted calendar and seasons don't mean, and that's, they're not a very agricultural society. Right. You can't, really have an agricultural sedentary urban society without being solar based got it interesting interesting it's interesting they knew they knew all these cycles they right. knew the stars they knew the zodiacs they and, and they they took they drew story mm-hmm. they they understood what it meant or they they believed and that's what it was i mm-hmm. mean they, they this mattered to them we've forgotten a lot well, and, and that and and that there was, I mean, all, all the evidences that that supports for the for a creator, who who has written these messages in the sky to give you an idea as to what has come to reveal to you what is about. You know, I mean, that's why they could, uh, you know, they were able to predict a lot of the things that took place, and 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 the the prophetic was. Uh, was a was a very very real thing, e- even predicated on being able to read those seasons. Look, you can't look at this stuff and not not appreciate that there's an intelligence behind it all. Yeah, there, there yeah. you can't. I mean, it's, it's too brilliant. It's just too brilliant. It's. Yeah. Uh, whatever but but man's but man's Mark, man's Mark, busy yeah man's right? busy ignoring <laughs> that and 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 unraveling so much of what is uh you know we we we, we continue i i actually i i um posted something that i had posted three years ago up on my uh facebook page uh just yesterday um and and it, it hang on a minute my goodness. All right, there we go. Uh but it was uh related to uh uh something that Black Lives Matter put up. Now now this is interesting. I posted it. Uh, 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 uh and let's try this one more time and see if it shows it's in face Facebook has been uh there we go. Okay. So, um this this is essentially was was the the page that they took down, but it was there uh and and I bring it up because it had to do with the the d- deconstruction of traditional family and traditional family values and that yeah. was that was their stated goal. They they actually originally um, said, this is what we want to do. We want to destroy traditional family. We want to destroy traditions. And, you know, the, I guess the, the, the irony in all that is, is that's what man has been doing. That's what sin is really about. But that, the, the rebellion, that's really what, what man has been doing. Um, 
since the beginning of time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have this destructive impulse, this sinful impulse. Moreover, in this modern way, the, the family and religion are the two greatest barriers to to their totalitarian radical agenda. Right. Uh, to right. communism. This yeah. is why you have communists ultimately break down families. You, the, the best example of it was Cambodia and the killing fields. Pol Pot, they destroyed the family because the family was a barrier to their absolute power. So when you see Black Lives Matter say this, they're putting themselves in the same category as Pol Pot and the Cambodian communists of the 80s, which were the killing fields and and where they killed an enormous amount of their own people. Enormous. I think we're talking about a third of their own people. So they they, uh, these are dangerous ideas and dangerous people that come from the darkest parts of the human heart um so yeah it, it 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 it's really quite quite stunning when you stop and think about what it is that you know that that man has 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 done and and then when you think about the grace and the mercy that god has shown us in in the in the midst of all of that by by providing us with an opportunity for you know for a for his version of a reset yes yes and 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 that's what has carried history through to where we are in a positive way and that's what will carry history through further in a positive way if we stick to it all right, I want to uh, get in a couple of things. We we we've talked in in past conversations about the uh the judicial reform in Israel and mm-hmm. the comparative to, you know, to what's happening over here. Uh new story out in the Washington Times, Justice Sotomayor's lack of respect Justices stew as high court opens new term. And this is in reference to a couple of dissenting opinions from the last term where she dropped the usual decorum of saying respectfully dissent. And instead, she just said, I dissent. It's interesting, as I was looking at this, uh, you know, I recollect when when she was pushing her homosexual agenda through remember her decision about Obergfeld and pushing that and about the uh, basically voting down uh, uh, the uh, DOMA, uh, which is the Defense of Marriage Act. Her statement basically was is that she, she personally, her own personal belief was that the Defense of Marriage Act was offensive. Well, offensive is not a legal term. And that's a problem right there, because feelings are not what determine law. Neither is, by the way, people must understand, neither is morality per se. It's it's a process. There's it's based on a structure of values that are based on the idea of individual rights, which is based on the idea of divine granting inalienable rights. Well, who's the what who gave us those inalienable rights? Our creator. Who's our creator? God. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, it all reduces to God. And, and then you have a process to guarantee those rights. You don't have an ideological morality and you're offended because you're LGBT or whatever. That's not a legal concept. Uh, it's, it's, there, there's a whole structure there. But more than that, I think, I think what you're seeing is the danger from the left for the courts. They see the courts as an instrument of political power. Not 
as a judicial structure. See, and to and, me, that's yeah. That just real quick. That that's the, that's the um, hypocrisy of of their statements because they're accusing the majority of of pol- some kind of political tyranny, while they themselves, by every word that they say. They they label themselves as political anarchists against the court. Yeah. Now this is where I think the what's going on in Israel is very important because they're attacking the court because they're trying to take it over. They're trying to take it over from below. They're, the uh, Biden administration has appointed a tremendous amount of judges underneath the level of the Supreme Court. We've got a big problem coming down the pike. Okay. Uh, because of that, the conservatives more or less still control the Supreme Court, which is why they're attacking it. But ultimately, the left's key target is the courts. Why? Because it's not democratic. Mm-hmm. They're not elected. So they don't like the American people. They they don't like populism. They don't like the popular will because ultimately they're too radical, ultimately to convince the majority of Americans. So they need a structure that's more powerful than the democratic verdict, and that's the courts. If the courts are activists, or even worse than activists, become legislative and executive and run the country. And that's where they're headed. They want to take over the Supreme Court, and then they will be the biggest empowerers of the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court will become the entire government. And that's where you are in Israel. That's the okay. model for them. All right, let me throw this out there, though, because you're, you're, you're mentioning, and I think we need to define some of these terms. You're mentioning populist or, or you know, others others refer to that as nationalist uh, in, in terms, um, and, and then we, we tie that into, you know, pure democracy. And I think we need to define those terms because it, it's not about, simply mass rule when you Correct. when you're you know so so define what you mean when you're saying uh that they're pushing against the populace because because they would like us to believe that the popular opinion is theirs and subsequently the popular opinion remember what they did with biden right oh he got 81 million votes well we didn't get yeah. anyone but but that was so explain what you mean by what you mean by populist Populist, I mean majority rule, but in the United States, we don't have a direct democracy, nor do we have uh, pure majority rule. We have all sorts of uh, ways to make sure that we're talking about a deeper, longer term will of the American people that is reflected in government. We have, first of all, districts that uh, and various levels of government that are independent of each other. So governors, for example... The majority of governors are more conservative, even though the federal government is is run by Biden. You have uh, uh, two uh, two branches of government independent of the judicial. You have the executive and you have the uh, legislative. So you have one group legislating laws, but they can't implement them. And then you have the executive, which can a veto and b implements the laws and and obviously the implementer of laws can interpret how those laws need to be so you have all these checks and balances to make sure that the will of the american people doesn't go off the rails and suddenly you know legislate laws that everybody with green you know 
with with green eyes should be executed. Right. You know, it just it it can't happen here. Not only because of the courts. The courts are a third part of this balance. So we're an attenuated democracy. We're a democracy. The American will, the 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 popular will does matter. But there are breaks against these momentary, emotional, sudden swings. Also, by the way, Senate, that's why it's six years, and the House is two years. The House is supposed to be much more reflective of direct democracy. Right. The Senate is supposed to be the breaks. So well, we have Senate, Senate is also, and, and unfortunately this is part of why our systems broke, David Jostokas and I talked about it, the 17th Amendment and the fact that the Senate was taken out of the state's hands and became uh, basically a a, a, uh, a a subculture of 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 popular vote or a subculture yeah. of you know a little mini presidents basically is is kind of what they are in a manner of speaking which is to the detriment of our constitutional republic exactly so we have these <clears throat> all these constitutional republican structures mm-hmm. that ensure our democracy functions properly and responsibly and in a mature way what the left is going toward is something even uh, worse, which is they basically don't trust the long term or even the mature form of democratic will. They want to just do away with the popular will because they advocate positions that are so radical that the majority will never accept it. Fathers and mothers will never accept their daughters in high school showering with a transvestite who still has all his plumbing. Uh, it just, no, it well, just, you know, yeah. it, that and, will never be a and, majority view. And, and parents, you, you love yeah. your child and you don't want them threatened. Right. And parents are never going to go uh, full bore on the idea of you giving their kids drugs to either castrate their boys exactly. or, or, or remove healthy breasts from their girls. We're going to run out of time. Here. Yeah. One yeah. last thing, and then we'll cover this the next time that you're on. But, you know, the other piece to this that I think we need to be paying attention to is the three liberal justices, uh, Kagan, Sotomayor, and, uh, and Breyer, um, have have made it very clear that they are disgruntled about being in the minority. And this is trying very hard, I think, to set the table for the widening of and the increase of the number of justices. And I think we need to be paying very close attention. Now you've got with now you've got dissension within the court in an effort to try to change the makeup of the court while you've got a radical Senate and with what happened with Feinstein's death and now all of that that's taking place, apparently Newsom has put in an openly uh, homosexual black woman uh, to replace Feinstein. Uh, Look, uh, there is an agenda afoot, folks, to destroy the moral fiber of this country, and we need to be paying attention to it. Dr. David, thank you for being here. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time today. Center for Security Policy, Dr. David Wormser. I'm your host, Pastor Greg. You're listening to Chosen Generation Radio. Chris Eddy joins me on the other side, running for Congress in the 25th District, Broward County in Florida. We'll be back with more Chosen Generation Radio coming up right after this brief break. So up next, we have Clanslight. When you have different things like cancer, 
and different diseases that are autoimmune related, it can really help with inflammation because you're helping clean the body. Clean Slate is a formula that's made from a natural orthosilic acid that basically is put into a formulation that's naturally occurring that uses different processes from polarization to heating to cooling to different types of catalysts which will go in the body and really help communicate to get rid of those things that don't need to be there. People don't understand why there's so many autoimmune disorders, but our environment's toxic. The land, air, and water have changed. We've been exposed to nuclear war, and the issue is if there's a nuclear bomb or there's pollution or there's war in one country, it actually affects everything up to the stratosphere. So we're all connected, and we've really got to clean things out. You can pick up your clean slate today at cgrforlife.com. That's cgrforlife.com. Pick up your clean slate today. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Retailers, shopping channels, and now even banks have tried to cancel myself and MyPillow. Well, during these times, your support has meant everything to us. So my employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you by passing the savings directly on to you. We're selling the best products ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have my standard size MyPillow, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. Or you can get custom fit with my premium queen size MyPillows, regularly $79.98, now just $29.98. Or my king size, regular $89.98, now just $34.98. So go to MyPillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1-800 number below to receive this exclusive offer. If you do it right now, I'm going to include a free gift with your purchase. Thank you and God bless. Hi, I'm Tim Sheff, a certified natural health practitioner of over 40 years. I want to introduce you to a product that changed my life. The product's called Vibe, available at cgrwellness.com. I thought I was on a good nutritional program before I discovered Vibe. I was taking the traditional vitamin mineral tablets, wasn't really feeling any different. So I tried Vibe. Vibe is an all-in-one vitamin mineral supplement. It's a liquid multivitamin. It's cold-pressed, whole food sourced, non-radiated, gluten-free, and has no pasteurization. Vibe is like fresh juicing without all the work. It supports four areas of the body cardiovascular health, immune health, anti-aging, and healthy cell replication. Vibe is available in a 32-ounce bottle for home use or a very handy one-ounce travel packet for life on the go. The first time I tried Vibe, I had more energy in about 20 minutes. I started thinking clear. Even believe I slept better. Get yours today at cgrwellness.com. Coupon code CHOSENGENRADIO at checkout and receive $20 off your first order of $50 or more. That's cgrwellness.com. Coupon code CHOSENGENRADIO. Get yours today. These statements have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Any products do not treat, reduce, cure, or prevent disease. My passion is the fight for freedom. My father fought for World War II defending our country. Today, we are no longer fighting with guns. Instead, we are fighting an ideological battle for control of our country. By contributing to causes that support your constitutional rights, I am Patriot Mobile. You can support Chosen Generation and make a tax-deductible donation by visiting www.chosengenerationradio.com. And now, back to Chosen Generation with Pastor Greg. 
And welcome back to Children's Generation Radio, where no topic is off limits and everything filtered through biblical glasses. I'm your host, Pastor Greg. Thanks so much for being here. I know you have a choice of where you can listen each and every day, and I thank you for keeping it tuned here to Children's Generation Radio. You know, it's interesting. We'll have this uh, conversation here in a second. So I'm, I'm very pleased to welcome my next guest. Let me go ahead and get him uh, lined up here and, uh, and on. Uh, his name is Chris Eddy. He is running for the 25th District in the state of Florida. And, you know, Chris, we were talking just now about uh, San Angelo. So 86 is when my wife and I got married out there in San Angelo. And I was running a fast food restaurant there called Shortstop uh, that you might well have have, have gone through. Uh, it was next to the Wienerschnitzel. <laughs> I'm sure I have, you know. Yeah. I was 21 at the time, and my body could take anything, and uh, I needed to keep fueling my brain for those tough intelligence courses. Uh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, we uh, we were uh, out on uh, on Sherwood. We were the uh, between us and Wiener Schnitzel and then the Shakies down the street. That's, that's pretty much where everybody went for food. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Well, welcome aboard. Good to have you with me. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for the invite. It's always good to try to get our message out and to find like-minded people throughout the country. Well, you know, Broward County, that has been a real uh, battleground, you know, I mean, going all the way back, well, I don't know, back back, back even into the 90s, quite honestly. Uh, you know, uh, that that was, uh, is, is, wasn't that the... Uh, the uh, the the, the twisted, yeah the hanging the hanging chads of uh, of of Al Gore and George W Bush in two thousand that was Broward and then Broward also has been the center of a number of uh, controversies with regards to uh, punishing students for bringing Bibles to school or praying in the cafeteria uh, and and even gone against court orders as it relates to that if I if I'm if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think the governor's done a great job at trying to get a lot of those issues fixed. Uh, that previous uh, election supervisor is no longer there. We now have a West Point graduate in there, Joe Scott, and the last couple of elections have run smoothly. We uh, trust the process down here, and we're trying to encourage as many people as we can to get out and vote. Uh, they tend to think of Broward County as one block, but my district is just half of Broward County, and it's the light blue to light red County. So it used to be 48% uh, percent in my district of Democrats. Now it's only 42%. Okay. So it's definitely winnable. It's not the uh, uh, the sure thing for the current incumbent as it has been the past 16, 18 years. So, you know, we have a game on our hands and we're looking for all the support we can get. Talk to me a little bit about you're you're running for the congressional seat, not the state, but for the for the congressional seat. Uh, out of uh, out of out of that particular district, correct? Exactly right. U.S. House of Representatives okay. in Florida District Twenty Five, and the current incumbent is Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who tends to elicit <laughs> a laughter or a visceral reaction. But I have to tell what? you, we've hit, uh, four or five thousand doors already. We're getting a lot of great support from Democrats. We have a lot of Democrats that are supporting us yeah. simply because either run-ins with her or more frequently they don't like the direction of the country 
Well, she's she's just I you know she's very tightly linked, of course, to the whole you know Obamas and uh, and and even Clintons. But I mean, as far as she's probably one of the most radical members of Congress uh, that goes under the radar that I can think of. Yeah, the I think the people want to change. That's what I'm hearing. I hear from a lot of Democrats when 74 percent of the country thinks we're headed in the wrong direction. You know, that, that's both sides of the aisle. So they're looking for somebody that's credible, that yeah. has experience, that can represent our district and not the Washington district. Too many politicians, not just her, but too many go up to D.C. and start representing D.C. interests instead of their districts. Um, I've been a city commissioner for three years and, and very well known here just for taking care of city issues. You know, we won uh, a very short race. I got in on the last day. It's an interesting story by itself, but uh, even though we were in a three-person race, I won with the most votes in city history in just a four-month campaign. So there is an appetite out there from across the aisle to win. Well, and 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 for somebody who has competency and and you know uh, and, and some proven track record, your your personal history indicates that that you have. Uh, a a grasp of of managing large groups and 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 also of hearing from constituents. Yeah, that's right. I'm a retired Air Force Reserve Brigadier General. I spent 30 years in the Air Force and loved every second of it. Most of it in the reserves, but full time reserves. Uh, so concurrently, I had a civilian job. And my last 13 years were with the FBI here in Miami where we took the program to be number one intelligence program out of 56 in the FBI nationwide. So we've had some great success. Uh, I also have a couple masters and a PhD in leadership, and I teach at Florida International University, and I focus on national security, foreign policy, and intelligence issues and try to train future analysts into our intelligence community. I'm, I'm sure you have to get this question, but what what do you think fixes our current FBI situation. I mean, we, we, we had FISA violations. We've got them uh, spying on Catholics and Catholic churches. Uh, you know, I, I, I do not believe that we had an insurrection on January the 6th. I believe that we had uh, some very bad actors. And the more we find out about that, the more we find out that many of them were federal informants and even maybe potentially federal agents that were engaged in activities that were, uh, you know, designed to create a scenario, almost a, a form of psyops. And I'm not, as a, as a former Russian linguist and, and Air Force intel myself, I'm not one that's prone to, uh, you know, to, to jump into the whole psyops uh, conversations very easily. But my goodness, uh, what happened there is 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 really stunning. How do we fix? And and that'll be something that'll be on your plate, obviously. If you're elected and you win and you go to Congress, uh, we're going to be looking to members of Congress like yourself with your background, you know, the Sam Fattis kind of guys that are going to get in there and, 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 and fix the problem. What do we do, Chris? Well, thank you for your service, by the way. I know we talked prior to the show uh, about that. Uh, it's not easy to, to sacrifice like that, but I know you got a lot out of it, I'm sure and probably more than you gave, and that tends to be the case. What I've learned throughout my career, especially in leadership, is it's all it starts at the top. It's all leadership, and, and the same with the FBI. The FBI has to follow what the attorney general guidelines state, 
whatever the attorney general uh, prefers. And then obviously the head of the FBI sets the tone for that. I don't think any sane person can look at it and say uh, that we have a fair system of justice. There's definitely a two-tier system. When you trap a a great patriot like General Flynn in the White House and try to uh, ring him up and bankrupt him Mm -hmm. on just uh, simple memory issues when you knew the truth, Versus somebody like uh, Andy McCabe from the FBI who lied to agents, admitted lying, and then recovered his full pension as a GoFundMe account, a, a spot on network TV. And there's many instances, obviously, but sure. there's that two-tier system of justice. It all starts with leadership. And I, I've done that in the past at the FBI and Air Force. And I was the turnaround guy. They would bring in when they had shops that weren't performing well. Uh, we just created a system of processes and procedures, and, and again, that strong leadership at the top, and that's what's needed in our Department of Justice, and frankly, in our U.S. Congress as well. It had to be heartbreaking to watch those whistleblowers talking about how their lives are being destroyed for coming forward and identifying, you know, the things that you just talked about, and and just some of the just atrocious behavior of these agents. Yeah, Nicole Parker, who left the FBI, is a friend of ours, and we knew her from the Miami field office. And she said other people have left the FBI because they weren't satisfied with the direction it's taken. Uh, when I was in, it didn't seem to be a major issue at the field offices. It was more of a headquarters thing. Right, right. I had to be assigned to headquarters when that whole Russia thing was there. I was up there temporarily working the China desk. Uh, and I don't, I think, and I know that there was people back then that knew there was nothing to that. Russia hoax, uh, yet they pursued it, hoping to find something if they just kept turning over rocks. And and we can't investigate the individual hoping to find a crime. That's not a good way to go about running this country. No, not 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 at all. Not at all. Um, all right. So let's get back to uh, the things that you see. It, I mean, again, that's going to be, I think, one of the things that you're going to need to be addressing that we that we need now we have uh the situation with regards to the house speakership and and that situation that's going on uh give me uh, give me your thoughts and your assessment on on where we are with regards to current leadership in the house i, I think it revolves around money you know we are spending way too much money in this government and those congressmen and senators that recognize it are trying to blow the whistle and say, you know, how hard is it just to reduce spending 1%, 2%? And they're getting pushback on, on that. You know, when I looked last year, this federal government spent $400 million on border security in the Middle East, in the Middle East. And you can see we have $6 million coming across in the last three years, yet we're sending hundreds of millions of dollars overseas, billions to U- Ukraine, And the GAO just came out with a report that said our own soldiers and airmen and Marine and and all of our military personnel are living in substandard barracks with toxic waste, with mold. So my position is no more money for Ukraine, one, until we take care of our own troops, two, until we don't deplete our own military stocks, which President Biden wrongly admitted, and then three, until there's a strategy to win. Uh, there's no strategy to win. I don't know why we're spending hundreds of billions uh, of dollars. So it's a financial issue. Uh, everybody knows it's a ticking time bomb. And now we're, there were projected to be $2 trillion in debt and deficit this year. Yeah. Our debt, when I started this campaign, we were $32 trillion in debt. Now we're $33 trillion in debt. You know, what's a trillion dollars among friends? Whew. 
they just yeah. throw these numbers out there. Uh, it's very difficult to see a path where we could pay this back eventually. And you're right. risking um, high inflation uh, for decades to come unless we get a handle on our budget. And it's not a tax problem. It's a spending problem. We have to quit spending money. So how do we how do we voice the message? Because obviously the media, the Democrats, everybody is, you know, up in arms about the idea that that there would have been a government shutdown. Um, how do we how do we message that to the American people? You, you mentioned that 74 percent do not believe that we're headed in the right direction. Yet, if you pick up, you know, some of the national rags and, and watch their evening performances, you're, you're not going to get that feeling. You're going to get the idea that, you know, and this is the same thing, by the way, that we ran into, what, 40 years ago, right? We had uh, a Republican majority, uh, even under President Trump, when, you know, we had Ryan, uh, we had Boehner, and, and it was everybody's dissatisfied with Congress, both, both Republicans and Democrats, but they tried to pin it as though it was a Republican problem when you and I both know that that wasn't the issue at all. It was a uniparty problem. But how do we message that? Or do you think that we're messaging that enough? Uh, here's what I've learned. We've knocked on just about 5,000 doors already and okay. talked to a lot of people on fixed income. A lot of them don't pay attention to the news. What they do pay attention to is their grocery prices and their gas prices. My mom's 92, lives up in New York, and she said, uh, why is the price of eggs so high? Why is milk so high? She doesn't draw the correlation that the government's spending a lot of money, which increases the money supply, therefore causes inflation. You know, she doesn't need to know all that. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need to watch the networks to know that everything has gone up. You know, grocery prices 20%, gas 40%, and that's how it hits their daily lives. The result of that is is the cause of that is too much spending in in the federal government. So as long as they see those gas prices high, the food prices high, which aren't coming down, by the way, especially if you're paying $20 an hour for minimum wage at McDonald's in California, you know, those prices are going to skyrocket up. Crazy. Yeah. Business people, obviously. Those people will get the message. And that's what we're hearing in this district already, that people are fed up. They don't know why necessarily the prices are up, but they want somebody to address it and to talk to them honestly about that. We have a retirement community down here, and they're raising the association fees one to two hundred dollars a month. And there's wow. women and men crying because yeah. they have to move because they make nine hundred a month in Social Security, so two hundred a month they they can't. It, it wipes them out. Yeah, it wipes it, them it, out, it, and it, yeah, nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to care that this administration is more focused on student loan repayments and social security payments. Oh, yeah, that 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 whole thing with Sotomayor is is just disgusting to me. All right, so uh, when the other thing that that uh that that pops into my mind is is I was talking with a gentleman who's running and he was saying, "Well, you know, uh there there's uh our our representative brought back less money to our district." And and so that's one of the things they're running on is is that they're going to make sure that they you know that they bring that money back into the district. And my response was is well wait a minute I thought we were trying to cut spending, 
And their response was, is, look, we're going to spend that money anyway. Uh, and, and somebody in some bigger district like New York or whatever is going to get it. So I'm going to fight over that in order yeah. to get my. So in other words, I'm going to try to bribe my voters. Are, are the voters, I mean, aren't the voters smart enough to realize that, that, that when you bring all those handouts into the district, that those are, are actually your taxpayer dollars or somebody else's? And, and and that's what's making it harder for you. I mean, that's why your grocery prices are going up. Yeah, if they don't draw that correlation, they do see the end result uh, of it. And, and, you know, that's what leadership's about. Leadership's about making those hard decisions that affect the greater good. And, and we need a strategy to do that. And there are different proposals on how to bring down that spending, how to fix Social Security so it's sustainable for the long run. But people don't want to talk about it. Oh, I'm going to get canceled or uh, I'll get primaried. Here's a couple things I learned, which is very disheartening, that when you get up to D.C. and when I'm elected as a, a congressman, they come to you and they say, you have to vote yes on this bill, even though it raises spending. If not, we're going to primary against you and we're not going to help yep. you in your next campaign. And yep. they threaten you. You're not going to get a committee assignment. You're going to do this. I don't need that. I don't need to be invited to parties. You know, I, I just don't need to be part of that system. I've had successful careers. I'm here to fix things uh, for the short and long term. And we need more people like the, that. And the other the other thing to watch out for just and you're probably already aware of this. But and, and I, I remember asking my state rep when he was going up and that was a waste of time. He's he turned into be he, he's one of the guys that was he actually led the secret uh, squirrel meetings uh, that that led to Attorney General Paxton's impeachment, uh, but and, and we're going to primary him. But nonetheless, um, that is, and I've talked to people who say, "Well, we need term limits." My response to that is, "Okay, that's all well and good, but the the name on the door is not the problem. It's the people in the office and the ones, as you said, that are that are influencing that representative by threatening them." So. How do you, and, and having been a, a retired general, um, how do you find the staff and what do you do to clean your office out when you get there so that, so that you don't have those kinds? You don't have, because that's what President Trump battled, and I've talked with Peter Navarro about it. He wrote a book about that. President Trump really thought, I can just, I can hand the office branch. I can, I can make friends with these people. And he, and he realized after four years, you can't. And I know when he gets back up there that he's not gonna, uh, but nonetheless, what do you do as a congressman to fix that issue in your own office? You have to first lead. You can't let your office lead you. I get people telling me, well, who's running your campaign? I'm running my campaign. (laughs) Who's going to run my office? I'm going to run my office. I'm going to set the agenda and tell them what to do. Obviously, I'll have trusted uh, people in there. And I'm looking for other Republicans when I'm up there to find solutions to how to reduce the spending uh, that we have. And there are multiple proposals already out there. We just have to get enough people on board. Term limits are part uh, of the solution, I believe, because – well, first of all, nobody should be up there 60, 70 years, uh, honestly, and, and make a career out of it like that. That's not what it's designed for. Uh, they just get addicted to that power, and that's really all they've ever known. You know, they don't want to come home and work at a 7-Eleven or do something different. Uh, I, I'm fine doing that. I'm fine going up there for two or three terms and, and coming back to my family and my puppy 
and, and <laughs> resuming life. Uh, they just have such an ego that nobody could do this but me because we have all these connections and we know how the process works. Well, in the military, you switch jobs every two or three years and you figure it out. Right? Yeah. That's what leadership's about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, what do you, what do you think about, uh, how the freedom caucus is, is, is handling business up there? Is that, is that the direction that you would go? Do you, do you, do you see yourself, uh, aligning with that group? I, I would think so, but it's hard to say what it's going to look like in, in a year and a half when I take office uh, and we'll have to judge it after the elections. I like to base my decisions on results, right? How effective has it been? Is it just in name only and I can belong to this club? Uh, I've been asked to join a lot of charities down here in South Florida. I, I don't because I don't think they're effective and I don't want to just a, a resume filler saying, oh, he's on the board of directors of this and this. But if you can't have impact, you're not really doing anything. So I want to look for organizations and, and groups that can have impact. On my three primary objectives, fiscal discipline, uh, improving our security, both foreign and, and domestic, and uh, increasing the civility up there. You know, you can disagree with people without calling them un-American and, and hating on them. Uh, and we need to lower the temperature nationwide a little bit and, and realize that uh, we need to advance our agenda, but we could also do that in a civil way without name-calling. Our side generally tends to be conservative i mean that that's the 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 brand name um you know president trump when he came in i i think kind of said hey you know what we we've we've tried just being nice with you people and you don't you don't pay attention to that you don't like to play nice and so he's he's uh, not had a problem doing a little brawling with them as necessary personally i i don't have a problem with that because i i think that we've laid down and compromised way too often uh, in, in, in our efforts to do that, how, how, where, where do you see that balance then as, as it relates to, because it seems to me like the other side is saying we're, we're taking over and, and we will find a way to destroy your life if you get in our way. Yeah, we have to fight, right? We have to be fighters. Being civil means being professional about it. You know, calling somebody fat or ugly or, or whatever. Right. That's you know, right. Okay, I got right. you. That's what I mean by that. We need to be professional and we fight on the issues because the issues are what uh, Americans are concerned about. If you start calling people names, uh, Americans tune out and, and they say, "Well, that doesn't help." How, how does calling somebody fat or ugly or whatever? deal with my inflationary problem. So what we need to do is pick those two or three issues every term and say, we're going to fight on inflation and we're going to fight on defense spending or wasting money overseas or uh, fighting back against China. And that's what we need to do. We need to get away from the name calling and, and say, here's our battles and here's where our lines are and here's what we're going to fight. Well, I, I have to confess I was guilty. I called Eric Swalwell a Chinese spy whore, but but I but I really think that he was. <laughs> well, you know, he had some experience, right? Yeah. Chinese spies. <laughs> so if you break that down, it's probably fairly accurate. Yeah, right? it was it wasn't it wasn't really a slender, it was it was a fact. He was and, and, you know, that brings up something else too, is that there's no shame anymore in no. was in Washington. No there no certainly there's no consequences. Right. Right. But if there, there's normally people would 
turn away in shame and go, oh my God, I got caught, you know, I'll do the right thing. And, and yes, I made a mistake. When's the last time you heard anybody in D.C.? Well, and, and Eric Swalwell, to the point, was sleep. Just folks, again, as a reminder, Eric Swalwell was sleeping with a Chinese madam who was a spy. That has yeah. been proven. That has been evidenced. In addition to that, he was in the House Intelligence. He was in the House Intelligence Committee, and he introduced her whores, who were also spies to other members of the committee and other members who had vital information. And Reuters came out within a year and said that an NSA spy software was being used by the CCP. And gee, I wonder, where did they get that information? So, I mean, these are the kinds, and and Swalwell is still to this day defiant about it. And you got trained on this, I got trained on this, on the honey traps. Absolutely. When I got promoted to general, they called us all in and they said, listen, you're not any better looking today than you were yesterday. (laughs) So many people up there all of a sudden get approached by women and go, oh, look, I'm attractive. People like me. That's not the case. Not even close. Well, but Uh, but as you said, I think this is where a final minute, and I'd love to, we could have gone even further in this, but... This is part of the problem because you have no morality. At the end of the day, there's no morals. So therefore, in your and I day, okay, you know, if you were committing a a homosexual act, you got busted under UCMJ. If you were committing adultery, you got busted under UCMJ. There were consequences for moral failures. There's no consequences for a moral failure. In fact, you're celebrated now. And I think Bill Clinton did that to us with Monica Lewinsky, quite frankly. I think he broke that barrier, and, and we've, been, we've been wounded ever since. I, I think the federal government's way too involved in people's business anyway, right? When they want to ban gas stoves nationwide, now they want to regulate your ceiling fans. There's just way too many people up there thinking of these rules. Yeah. That, that come we need to get the federal government to minimize its, its overwatch into people's personal lives, uh, yeah. honestly. And uh, and what they have in their house and what they do in their own house. It's it's none of the federal government's business to be doing that. Let the states take most of that responsibility. Eddie4Congress.com. E-D-D-Y, the number four, Congress.com. You can see it on your screen. E-D-D-Y4Congress.com. Check out what Chris is doing. If you're in the Florida area, and I know we've got a lot of our uh, viewers and listeners down there. If you're in the Florida area, reach out to him. Let him know uh, you're supporting him, and I'm sure he'd greatly appreciate hearing from you. Eddie, thank you. Or Chris. Chris Eddie, thank you so much. I get it all the time. Chris, thanks. So I sure you do, right? Bring it to your General Eddie. General Eddie, <laughs> great to have you with me. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, we will uh, we'll be back with more Children Generation Radio. Hour number two coming up. Professor Stephen Zunes joins us on the other side with more coming up right after this brief break. <laughs> 